You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Special editions of Amazing Conversations with my longtime friend, Daryl Strawberry. Mr. Strawberry, how do you think you get to feel one day next year, you look up on top of City Field, number 18's on the roof? Uh, it's such a great honor. Uh, and it would be an historical day, you know, for me and my family and also for the fans and all that I was able to accomplish in those eight seasons playing in um, Shea Stadium. Uh, the memories will last forever. I will always carry those memories with myself forever. Uh, they're very personal uh, due to the fact that um, I always wanted to be successful playing here, uh, and I was. And, and I take a lot of pride in that. So, you know, when you when you think about uh, your number being retired, uh, it doesn't get any better than that, Jay. Uh, that's, uh, that's that's true history right there. And what it stands for, it stands for that it lasts forever. So it's it, you know it's wide to be at some point, but it's you really you and Keith from the '86 team around the number of retirement. The path hasn't been easy, right? <laughs> No, the path of life is not easy at yes. all for anybody. I mean, yeah. it's a journey for all yeah. of us, and it's just a matter of how do you uh, really perceive uh, the fact that you're going to go through some challenges, through some storms of life, and uh, what kind of person uh, are you after you come out of that? And I think that's what's been important in my life, um, being the person that I am um, after having to deal with so much and overcoming so much and adversities, just like playing ball. You know, when you're going through a slump, you go two for 30, how do you get out of it? Uh, you got to work through that, and, and, and hopefully one day you get that hit and, and it turns around. I must have interviewed you hundreds of times in 40 years. One that sticks out in my mind was in a Florida penitentiary. I'm sitting there. Is that point, did you ever think you would get to this point? Um, no, I didn't, I didn't really ever think I would get to any point at that particular time. Um, and thank you for coming to visit me, and, well, and you always, always have. Thick and always, thick and thin. Thick and thin. You always have been a dear friend, now, you know, and it, which now, is which is important. Good in the bad times. Yeah, um, and because, like I said before, life is a roller coaster ride, and it's just a matter of uh, how do you um, see yourself. And you know, I always saw myself as a good person, uh, and I just had a lot of uh, a lot of things that I had to overcome. You know, a lot of struggles. You know, from the brokenness of who I was, uh, putting on a baseball uniform does not make you a man; it just makes you a baseball player. And I think people need to recognize that from any athletic standpoint, uh, you ha- at some point in your life, you have to become a man. I think we've all been through trials and tribulations, and, you know, it's been a long road, but I- I'm glad the road that I'm on, the road to be able to help so many other people, to encourage so many other people. 2006 is a climactic year in your life. You met your wife, Tracy, got married, started the Strawberry Ministries right around that time. What is that? What has Tracy meant to your, your, your life, Daryl? Oh, she was the angel that I needed in my life. Um, you know, when I was young, I was young and wild and crazy, just like everybody else. I, you know, when I met Tracy, I was struggling, I was broken, and I was hurting, I was lost, and and I, and I prayed and asked God, that if there's a sign for me, send one to me. And she came into my life, and, and she brought happiness, and she brought wholeness, and she brought a whole totally different perspective uh, in life for me, uh, which made me really come to a place to have such a wonderful foundation of of helping others and giving back. She told me, I'm, I'm probably screwed that she said, I'm a no-compromise woman, and that affected Daryl. 
Is that true? That is true. Yeah, yeah. she was a no compromise uh, woman, and it, that really affected me in a, a good way. It, it made me realize that that's what I needed in my life. You know, that someone would not compromise. Someone that just wasn't going to settle. You know, for anything. And she wanted to settle for the best, and she wanted the best for our, our children and the best for us as a couple. And it has tr truly worked out that way, Jay. And you're on the road now, well over 200 days a year, speaking to churches, schools, hospitals, probably close 40 or 50 prisons. Tell me about your experiences when you when you visit the state penitentiary. You went to death row a couple of times, right? Went to death row, went to some um, um, maximum security prisons uh, where a lot of people have a lot of time. Um, that's not getting out. I've seen guys in there with 45 years already that's been locked down. Uh, but to be able to go inside there and not be afraid and be able to go in there and love on people and encourage them uh, about you know, faith, I, I think, is more important than just, just, just to be going in there and saying, well, look here, I'm Daryl Strawberry. I'm this athlete, you know, that never has Probably none of the people of your ilk would go to a prison like that, right? I mean, Most people wouldn't. Yeah. You know, I mean, because they, they, they don't see people like that because most people don't think they had, um, had struggles in life. When you live a famous lifestyle, everybody project that you have it all together. And, and, and that's not really true. I mean, you, we, we're blessed to be able to live the way we live and play sports or whatever lifestyle that you end up in that make you have the ability to live behind community gates. And that doesn't really make you have it all together. And I think a lot of times we perceive that from people when we look from the outside, and, but the inside is really... Uh, it could be hurting people it could be hurting but they never get help and you know i'm just glad i got the help i'm glad i got the help to get well on the inside not what i look like from the outside and not what i've achieved so when i see people i see people i see people hurting when i go behind the prison gates um, and it's important to me you use your story as an example right i mean to them what you've been through that you know keep battling and you know recovery and addiction to your main topics right? just just life you know yeah. what happens to people we don't know what people go through from their childhood or anything right we just can assume that they should be well you know just like everybody uh, felt like that just because they put on uniform a uniform doesn't make you well you know and i think uh, people have broken pieces inside that needs to be healed and my you know i went through that process my, myself and to sit here and to Today and tell you, yes, I have I been healed? Yes. Is my life different? Yes. But it was a process. It wasn't overnight. It was it was going through um, the necessary steps that I had to go through to get well on the inside and to, and to forgive my father. My, the forgiveness of my father. His abusive was, father. Yeah, my father was abusive. And to be able to forgive him was a big step for me because I hated him my whole life and my whole career. And then I would have to go make amends to him one day and ask him to forgive me for keeping him out of my life. Uh, and my career and not knowing his grandkids. So that was very challenging for me, and, and, but I did it. And when I did that, I was relieved of all the pain that I was in forever. And I, I was able to move forward and go forward and start really being the man that I needed to be and started having victory in my life and, and, and started to understand the importance of extending someone grace because the grace was extended to me. So 1980, number one pick in the country, on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Um, and for the first time, you leave California and you experience a little bit of racism. Kingsport. Not Kingsport. 
Kingsport was pretty good. Jackson, Lynchburg. 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 Yeah, Lynchburg. You Virginia. had told me you might you thought of maybe quitting after that year. Right? I did, you know, and, and I, I'm so thankful for um, Gene Dusan, who was my manager. Right. Uh, when I was playing in Lynchburg, and I was hearing a lot of people in the stands were saying a lot of racial things to me and, and calling me all kinds. You never experienced that before, right? No, not coming out of California. So, Gene, and, and Gino was good. He he just he directed me not to look up there, not to pay any attention. Right. And you know, had I paid attention, I probably would have done something. I would have regretted for a very long time Probably in my career. Have. <laughs> I would have been here stuff myself. <laughs> but it, it worked out the way it was supposed to work out, and I came close to quitting. Most people yeah. don't even know that. And, and and I told the organization, I don't think I want to play baseball anymore. I want to go back to college and try to play basketball. And, you know, I had a scholarship to go to Oklahoma State. And I was thinking about just um, giving up baseball. And they asked me to give it one more year and see what I thought about you it. You had a great year in Jackson. I went to Double A in Jackson, Mississippi, Texas League. I hit 34 home runs, and I stole 45 bases that That's year. That's not bad. No, that was pretty. That's yeah, not bad. That was a turning, yeah. that was a real turning point yeah. for me because what happened in that season in Jackson, I really became a baseball player. And I realized that I was going to be able to play at the highest level if I believed in myself. And realizing that um, criticism was going to be a part of me having to go forward to try to be successful and it's blazing hot outside you get in your car to turn on the ac to get cold air pumping but it blows hot air out this issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the ac system you want an easy all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time ac pro recharge kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero diy experience in less than 10 minutes Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. I had to face that challenge, and, and, and I did. I, it was a great challenge for me to face, but I did, and I'm glad I faced that challenge. So you come to the Mets in 83, or May 5th, I think, in 1983. Bad ball club. We're 68-94. And Keith comes to, in, in June of that year, and he's still managed with all the pressure, I always I know I said before, if your name was Smith, would some of the hullabaloo maybe a little bit less? Well I think the problem was is I was I was black and I was, you know, uh six five and yeah. you know, I could run, throw and hit yeah. and and it was just a, a talent that was there from the from day one from my time playing in high school and, and being drafted, you know, by the Mets out of Crenshaw High in nineteen eighty. Um and then going to the minor leagues and that year going to Jackson and putting it, putting it all together and going to Tywater the next year and, and stand there a month and then coming. But I, I, when I reflect back on it, I think about when I was in spring training that year, uh, of spring training, I played in some games and, and I played well and I, I faced the challenge. And, and I think everybody thought I was going to make the team, uh, but Frank Cashin knew I was not going to make the team. And right. he, he didn't want to – and he didn't want to – put that kind of pressure and expectations yeah. on me right away. Because I think what happened before, you remember Tim Leary? Yes. He put him in a situation. He blew his arm out in Chicago. Blew his arm out. Yeah. And yeah. I think he was worried uh, yeah. about me being a young player and that has to come and play in New York City. Yeah. And, and so play, got 26 home runs and, and on a bad team. And, and play and, play every day. Yeah. But what happened to me that season was Jim Fry. Yeah, good guy. Jim Fry got a hold of me, and he made me understand what it was going to take to be a great player, not just because you had the talent, but you needed to be at the ballpark. You know, you needed to be at the ballpark early. I was supposed to be there one, I think, and I, I didn't come to three. Uh, and, and, I, and I think, 
he got in my face and he just kind of laid the law down for me. And, yeah. and, and I'm glad he did because that made me go forward and that made me understand, it doesn't matter how much talent I have, if you put work in, you're gonna, you're gonna excel at this year after year and you wanna get better and better every year. A lot of personalities on an 86 team, what, what made it blend? I mean, to me, Davey was the perfect manager, Davey Johnson. What made the team blend to get 116 wins that year? Well, I think the most important thing is you gotta, you, you gotta care about representing New York City. That's number one, because you're gonna take a lot of, you're gonna get a lot of pressure to play here, a lot of expectations, uh, and you have to have a deeper, deeper sense of caring and knowing that you're good enough to win. You have to know. I mean, the thing about us is we had a lot of different personalities, but every player on that team knew we can win. And we knew that we can uh, come back from games. Um, we wasn't afraid of the challenge. Uh, we wasn't afraid of the expectations. We wasn't afraid of what people were going to say, good, bad, or indifferent. We was going to always make sure that we uh, laid it all out uh, between the lines. Because if you, if you listen to the noise, uh, you're going to be in trouble. And these times are different for players. You know, they have social media and all those different outlets. We didn't have all that, so we didn't have time to be sitting on the phone looking what what comments to be said right. about us or tweeting or this and that. That wasn't part of what, what it was of us being a baseball player. And I think we knew that the job has to be done on the field. It can't be done between the lines, social medias, and talking back and forth with people. You, you have to go out there on the field, and you have to – you have to perform, and you have to perform as a team. And, and, and I think that's what made us very successful because did we always like each other in-house? No. I can tell you that goes in every sport. Every, every sport and every team is going to go through that kind of stuff sometime. But that, that didn't change us of who we represented. Our name on the front was the Mets. We represented the New York Mets. Speaking of the Mets, you've had really more championships with the Yankees than you're doing the Mets. But still, when people think of Daryl Strawberry, probably 99 to 100 people say Met, not Yankees. Why do you think that the Mets fans held you with such affection? Well, because my history is here. You know, I'm, I'm a homegrown player. I was drafted number one, and, and I came through the farm system, and, and I got to the major leagues, and I performed. I didn't back down from uh, the expectations. And, and performance is not always about numbers. People think it's about numbers. You can have the greatest numbers, but – are you a big-time player when, it, when the game is on the line? And I think that's why fans will always remember me and think about me and Doc and some of the other guys on those teams because we were big-time players and big games. And, and that's what makes a difference. That's what separates uh, players of history, uh, guys, when it, when it counts and when the game's on the line. Can you get your ball club over to the other side? And I think that was the difference in what we did back in those days. We were able to get our ball clubs to the – to the other side. Yes, we should have won more championships, but we we don't have all the opportunity that the you know the players have today to get into the playoffs and have major opportunities because we won ninety five, close to ninety five games a year. Uh, we, they had to walk, or we were in the playoffs every year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they would have to face us every year and had to look at yeah. us every year because I remember eighty five. We won ninety eight games yeah. and we went home. Speaking of eighty five, one of my favorite home runs, St. Louis. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best. 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Darling pitched the first nine inning, 12th inning to come up. The last, I think it was a two, and it was a tutor. It was a left-hand. I think Daly, Kim Daly. Yeah, yes, yeah. And you hit the clock way out in right field. That was one of my favorite home runs. Well, let's just say this. Darling pitched a phenomenal game yeah. to keep us in that game. Um, that, that was one of the best games I've ever seen Ronnie pitch. Um, and, and the situation where we had to play, and we had to keep winning, right. and and for that that night, and and to be nothing, nothing, and Ken Daly uh, hung a breaking ball. You know the Cardinal fans hated me. I live in St. Louis now, and they always remind me pine scum. We were a bunch of pond scum. I say, <laughs> I say we were, but we're, I say we were, but we were good. And yeah. They were like you guys were good, you yeah. know, and, and that's that's why we hated you guys because you were really good. So you know, he threw me a hanging breaking ball, and I hit it so hard. Yeah. And it was just on his way up and it hit the clock in St. Louis yeah. and it broke the clock. And How about the roof in Montreal opening day? I, that was a good one. You know, yeah, I mean, that, that was of course, a good one. I mean, the umpire Dutch, he didn't even know where the ball went. He was <laughs> he's looking up. I'm looking up. I'm cruising into second. Yeah. And I'm thinking, um, okay, give me give me something. Yeah. <laughs> and then come to find out, you know, I I guess Steve, the trainer, he was pointing, you know, where, I, where exactly. it hit. He was trying to show Lenny and Meg Reynolds where the ball hit because yeah. I had no idea where the ball hit. You know, landed. the question you get, I get sometimes, I mean, how I, you know, should Daryl Strawberry be in the Hall of Fame? And I said, maybe, maybe not. But I said, the work you're doing now is a thousand times more important than the Hall of Fame. Helping yeah. pe- people, helping kids. I mean, it's much more important than a plaque. I mean, you know. The Hall of Fame is not for everybody, and I just need to make that clear to people. And, you know, had I had a different journey, maybe, uh, yes, of course, I would have been on that journey to, to, to be there. I was on my way. But I didn't realize how good of a player I was. And, I, and you know, I was a person uh, that was very confused and very broken and very hurt, hurting inside from um, the wounds that I was left with deeply inside because of my father. And, and the Hall of Fame is, is, is for those that's supposed to be in them. But I made a I made a hall of faith in life, you know, a different direction that will will be an everlasting thing for me uh, to do the things that I'm doing to help the multitude of people that I'm helping to go to the places I get to go and and to be in front of you know you know presidents and different things and 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 pastors and leaders uh, of the country, evangelical leaders, real history. I would have never learned that no question. had I. Um, probably got into the Hall of Fame because I was still been focused on a baseball career, uh, a life of baseball, and, and I'm focused on a life, and I think I'm, I'm more content now than ever. June 1st, to be retired number 18, and I'm sure there are going to be fans in the stand yelling, Daryl, 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 in Boston. You always, that, that invigorated you, right? <laughs> when he, 
I think everybody thought I was mad and I wasn't. Yeah. You know, they made it like, you know, I was young kid at that time, yeah. man, but I wasn't mad. I was 24 years old. And um, here it is, you're, you're playing to win a championship, and we did. Yeah. We would eventually win that. Um, and when I look back on it and reflect on it, I think, oh, my God, you know, I was so young. Um, but everybody thought I was mad. I was, I would, they said, well, what did you think when they were – I said, well, at least everybody knew I was in the ballpark. That's true. You know, I mean, I mean, what, I'm going to hide, you know, yeah. because I'm scuffling and struggling? Yeah. Uh, baseball yeah. is a hard game. You never ran, Stroy, never ran. Never ran from it. I always faced yeah. the media, never ran. I spoke – you know, I spoke what I thought, um, uh, but I, I got to tell you this, that at the times of playing here in Queens, where I played at Shea Stadium, I could back up what I talked about. And I, yes, and, you could. I, and I think that was the most important yeah. thing as a player, you know, and we had a lot of players like that. And that's what I loved about our players. You know, we, we may have talked a lot, but we would back it up. And, yeah. and and that's important being a baseball player playing in New York. You know, because I know you so long. One of the things I'll regret whenever when the day is set that your mom Ruby won't be there. She was a treasure. I met her break up. She was a nice lady. <laughs> yeah, a yeah, nice lady, nice lady. She, she was a wonderful. Died way way too young, and and uh, Tracy would be there, but I'm wish Ruby would be there to see her to stay with her. I know, but she's she's looking over yeah. me because uh, uh, well, she prayed over my life that I would be well. Yeah, and not just she'd be really proud. To yeah, her. not just being a baseball player, yeah. but but as a man and what I've turned out to be, I I, I think that's more important for my mom and, and you know the memories that I will have on that day of celebrating. Uh, the reason why I'm celebrating uh, number 18 being retired is because my mother raised me right. You know, I, I just made wrong decision. That's all. Yeah. It, and, and, I, and I always hold that in my heart because of uh, what she, she raised five kids by herself, but she raised me right. She didn't raise me to take wrong directions. I took them on my own and I learned a lot of lessons from those things. But now I'm sitting here today and I'll be able to celebrate her for being my mother because what she wanted me to be, I am today. Well, proud to be your friend. Same here, Jay. Always. Uh, me too, Stroh. Thanks for <laughs> your time, man.